Hey, me Falcha. Welcome to the Crombie Hall Podcast for May 25th, 2023. Hello again. My name's Terrence O'Donnell, and I'm back for another episode of Backpage News from Around the World and an op-ed about something that may be important to you or not, depending on what matters to you. In this once-a-week podcast, now being hosted on RSS.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and so many others, I try to offer you backpage stories from news feeds and writers from around the world that you may not have heard about yet. These stories are usually about climate change, racism, politics, and human interest pieces not found on the front pages that, you, that might make you think for a moment, or at least I hope so. A little about me. I'm of Irish descent and a self-professed John Kay, a Gaelic storyteller, and I want this podcast to feel like we're sitting under the Gaelic Crombiha, which translates as the Tree of Life, which is typically the village oak tree. Sitting under the imaginary tree together, I will pass on some headlines to backpage stories, my commentary on why these stories are relevant, and every once in a while I might even find a music story to bring about a smile. I want this podcast as as a friendly space to promote my activism to address the wrongs of the world, at least the ones that are often missed in the front page news as they tend to overshadow them. I just hope to do so without offending anyone. This podcast is free to anyone who cares to listen, so I have no desire to charge money while I bring attention to the little things going on in the world during the week. I think monetizing this show takes away from the idea of what this show is all about, informing people about the larger things going on in the world. I do offer the option of donations to subscriptions for my written online stories and articles. More about that during the break. Speaking of which, I will be taking a break once I deliver the headlines to you. During the break, I do promote my own website, My Stories and Articles, published in Medium.com, in a short one to two minute clip, but nothing too fancy. So now let's see what I found for you this week. You cannot put a human being to a vote. Most Americans oppose anti-trans policies, but trans people's right to exist is not a popular contest by Jude Allison S. Doyle. This came out of Medium.com. It's a wonderful article about transgender folks. Again, I'm not sure about the proper pronouns here, but he, she, or they talks about how these folks shouldn't be relegated to a voting statistic. They are real people that need all of this medical attention to get their lives sorted out at an early age so they can live productive lives going forward. Why is this so hard to understand? Screw the biblical preferences. Now, Anthony Comstock reaching up out of the grave for the necks of women. This was Tom Hartman's article here on May 19th, coming out of the HartmanReport.com. He is so ignorant of sex and reproduction that he believed a visible human-like fetus developed within seconds of sexual intercourse. Here's how he could shut down every abortion facility in America. Tom Hartman's rant, as he likes to call him, about this Comstock law that was passed in 1873, and now the GOP wants to resurrect it to try and force a nationwide ban on abortions by stopping all abortion medicines and doctor tools from being shipped. The law currently only applies to the post office, but the GOP wants to expand it to private carriers like UPS and FedEx as well. Now, I can't see UPS and FedEx going along with that. Being private companies, they can make their own rules, and they would stand to lose a bunch of money if this happened. But if they could get the the federal government to say they can't do it, they may not have a choice. Here's more federal stuff here. As we all know, the United States is going through this debt default 
stuff here in Congress and nobody can figure out what they want to do about it. But there's like a couple of billion people. Well, it's not a billion. There's a couple of million veterans and a lot of senior citizens that this could affect. This story by Quail Lawrence and Dustin Jones out of NPR.org. Veterans could be among the first to feel the pain of debt default. Now, I'm a disabled veteran, and I'm very scared of this debt default because if I lose my veteran's pension, disability, and Social Security pension, I'll be on a street looking for work again. This applies to a large percentage of us who depend on our government benefits we were supposed to have earned for all the years we service we gave and all the sacrifices we made for our country. It's time to vote out these stupid humans. Now, I got this article here from, it's a, it's a United States article, but it deals with what's going on in the Middle East. Came out of Al Jazeera. Conundrum, how the U.S. is dealing with Assad normalization. As the Arab world normalizes relations with Syria, U.S. pushes for concessions from the Assad government, analysts say. So the U.S. is having kittens over this stuff right now of Assad being buddy buddies with the Saudis and the Kuwaitis and the Qataris and Bahrain and everywhere else over there. But it goes to show that everyone in the United States, it goes to show everyone that the United States is losing its influence. So let me put this in plain words. The Middle East doesn't like us anymore. We we tried to bully them so much and now they're pushing back saying, we don't need you anymore. Especially all them the Saudis with other oil money. They don't really care because they can sell it to a lot of people. The Chinese have come over there and, and become buddy buddies with them and, and everything else. But here's the thing. The United States still needs their oil. So obviously we're having to re, kind of rethink what we're doing here. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that works out. And here's an article I got back home. And this is an internal article, more or less, how the United States is imploding. America's becoming a suicide pact. How do you have a functioning democracy with red states? This is published on medium.com with Umar Haik. It's another good article, and it's where the U.S. is headed politically and a possible peek into the future of the once great United States. His article talks about how the red states and how much they depend on federal subsidies to survive. What could happen if they all go away? Well, we could have internal wars. We could have a civil war. Um, but basically right now, red states are broke. And without federal subsidies, they couldn't survive. And if they keep screwing around, they're going to lose even more. So then what? So now I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. And this one talks about religion to, to something. I got this out of Axios.com by Russell Contreras. Rising number of Americans are switching religions. New survey reports that Americans are switching religious affiliations around a lot more for a lot more than regular reasons. Think about it. Catholic Church and all of their abuses, they chased a lot of people away. And a lot of people are fed up with a lot of Protestant churches because of the politics being spewed from the pulpits. So a lot of them are falling back and saying, all right, we don't like churches anymore. We're all done with this Christian religion. Or a lot of people are just going to different churches looking for peace and tranquility. So it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Which segues into this next article here because it kind of blends together with this one. I picked this one out of BBC.com. Satanic Temple. Think you know about Satanists? Maybe you don't. 
and this is a little bit different here because it talks about how this satanic church started out small because a couple of guys were really fed up with the Christian church and, and all of their restrictions and stuff and decided to start this kind of a humorous satanic temple. And all they, although they do apply certain theatrical aspects of Satanism, by and large, the church is all about people coming together in a social environment, helping each other out, and doing basic common sense stuff, um, all in the guise of thumbing their nose at the, at the Christians. And the big thing about here is that it has over 700,000 members worldwide, and that is climbing. So it goes to show you, the Christians are losing sway around the world. And it goes along with that other one here, uh, where you know people are switching just because they don't like the Christians anymore. So I'm going to go over here to Australia. This was kind of a big article over in Australia here recently, in the last, last week. Prominent indigenous Australian journalist quits over racism. Indigenous, he's part of the Aborigine, Aborigines in Australia. His name is Stan Grant, and he cites relentless racial filth he endured after he raised Britain's colonial persecution of indigenous Australians during coverage of King Charles III's coronation. This is in aljazeera.com. So racism has been rampant in Australia ever since I can remember. I've known a few Aussies when I traveled. I was stationed with one, a couple of them, uh, you know, back in the 80s. And I they are very, very racist as a rule. And it just goes along with, the you know, English colonialism in general. And actually, Aussies are actually worse than the Americans. So this is a story how a renowned Australian indigenous TV personality incurred in a massive amount of racist abuse after a story he wrote during the coronation, disparaging the Crown's colonization methods in Australia, pointing to all the past, present, and likely future racist abuse and crimes committed against the indigenous peoples of Australia, and who are on the continent 50,000 years before the whites even got there. But, you know, abuses like back in the old colonial days uh, of driving tribes of Aborigines over the cliffs to kill them all and shooting them and torching them and do whatever, all kinds of ugly stuff. So here we go. I'm going to switch to the other side of the world here. This one is a story from Africa. Russian mercenaries behind slaughter of 500 in Mali village, UN report finds. Report implicates Wagner Group fighters in Mara atrocity including the torture and rape of civilians. And this is in the Guardian World News. More stories of Russia's, Russia's Wagner group of mercenaries committing war crimes like they did in Ukraine coming to light. So this is what you get when you hire criminals to fight your wars for you. They don't have any rules. They're just told, get the job done. We don't care how you do it. Just don't get caught. Well, they've been caught. Uh, they're on the hook for atrocities in Ukraine. And now for atrocities in this village in Mali in, in Africa, uh, wiping out 500 people, you know, all, all because they were told to. In this one, more about the Russians. In an unprecedented move, Cuba will let Russians lease land as the two countries get closer by Nora Gomez Torres in the Miami Herald. So the big thing is Russian and Cuba are getting cozy again because they need that. Cuba needs the Russian money and Russia needs things from Cuba and some of their other neighbors because of U.S. sanctions. So the question is, 
how cozy are they going to get? And are the Americans going to feel threatened, over, uh, you know, with their national security? So this leads into the next article, which is also a little bit broader in scope here, but deals with the Russians. Under the sea and ready for war, U.S. wants to spend billions on spy submarine to fend off ocean deep China. Russia advances. The U.S. Navy wants to spend $5.1 billion in high-tech, tricked-out spy submarine as seabed warfare ramps up and U.S., China, and Russia battle for dominance. That's from Josh Meyer in USA Today. The big thing about this, we have a new combat zone under the knee, underneath the sea. And it seems that the world's communications infrastructures are all running underneath the world's oceans, continent to continent across the oceans. Now the Chinese and Russians are moving in to possibly disrupt the world, especially the Russians. They've been found hanging out above cable runs off the coast of Norway and other places around Europe. And the Russia just launched a very special submarine capable of deeper diving than any other sub in the world. And it's scary to the U.S. and the building their own. But it won't be ready. Or, you know, the Americans won't have one ready for 13 years. The Russians can do a lot of damage in that time if they so choose to. So think about it. We have internet fiber optic cables running between continents, North, North America over to Europe, and North America over to Asia, running through the oceans. And now the Russians have a submarine capable of getting down to those cables and cutting them or tapping into them. That's pretty bad news. They decide to go there. We could, they could basically lights out across the world. So now we're going to start getting into transgender stuff here. So I had an article at the top about transgenders and, and how they're being politicized. So now I'm going to get into more of that stuff here. This one from Texas. Texas doctors depart as attorney general investigates hospitals gender affirming care. An investigation by the state into adolescent transgender care resulted in a curtailment of treatment for transitioning children. Came out of the Guardian, U.S. News by Iram Salam. Dell's Children Clinic in Austin, Texas, under investigation for gender-affirming care. So they announced their, to their transgender children patients that they can no longer provide care and the doctors are leaving. Now, whether they were fired or resigned is not known at this point, but they're gone. Attorney General Paxton said across the country there are doctors and healthcare professionals who appear willing to sacrifice the long-term health of American children, all in the service to the increasingly dangerous fad of transgender extremism. It is deeply disturbing, and there's no place for it in Texas, unquote. Even though it's still technically legal there, Abbott, Governor Abbott and Paxton are calling it child abuse and using that to try and punish anyone involved. So they're basically using child abuse to get in there and arrest people or at least investigate them, chasing all the doctors out. Doctors are likely leaving the state and closing down clinics all over the place. So what does that do for parents of transgender children? You know, maybe partially trans, you know, partially transitioned and stuff. They're on the hook. And it's interesting to see how they're going to make out. Not all of them can afford to leave the state. So I don't know. That's, it's going to get worse before it gets any better, if it ever does. And here's another one. This one's from, these. I got two stories here from Illinois. Teacher resigns after parents call police over LGBTQ book. This just came out at MSN.com. A middle school teacher in Illinois forced to resign after parents called police because she included a book called This Book is Gay, 
made available to students in a reading activity. And they wonder why there's a shortage of teachers in the, in the United States. Well, this is a good reason for it. I mean, she quit over this. Um, she was, had been a teacher for 20 years. But a lot of teachers across the country are leaving the, the profession because of this stuff. And here's another reason for them to leave. Illinois lawmaker, all gender bathrooms will cause violence from dads like me by Kyle Melnick in the Washington Post. This is a story about how one state GOP congressman is publicly stating that LGBT, LBGTQ and trans people will defile his 10-year-old daughter in public bathrooms if this is allowed to pass. Now, if this isn't fear-mongering, I don't know what is. But statements like this get people all upset, scare crap out of them, and it causes more, more things. I mean, there's probably going to be more violence against transgender and LG, LBGTQ people here in the, in the near future. And I'm sorry to say that. I wish there was more I could do here. But my activism on this podcast hopefully will kind of make people aware of what's going on. So getting into that, here's another one I want to make you aware of. This is a story by James Finn out of Medium.com. Gay boy brutally beaten by classmates. Police suppressed the video. His family want you to see what happened. So what is this talk of respecting the victim? It's a story in Ireland about a group of five boys who admittedly are anti-gay. They deliberately attacked a gay 14-year-old, nearly killing him. The worst part is they have largely gotten away with it. The Garda, which is the Irish police, declining to arrest the boys' charge, referring them to juvenile services instead. Now, I blame the I blame the parents for allowing the boys to think they'd get away with this. They're probably affluent members of Irish society. Maybe not, but either way, they're very prejudiced. Also, I blame the Irish police, the Garda, for not prosecuting the boys like they should have been for assault and battery. That means that they're probably likely to continue to do this. Now, obviously, they're not going to do anything for a while. But when they get to be adults, do you think they're still going to have the same prejudices? You betcha. And, of course, this stuff is going on in the United States and Great Britain right now as well. So this is what we're all coming down to. So now I'm going to come back here to the United States. And this talks about racism. I've got a couple of articles here that, three of them actually, that deal with racism. The first one is in Florida, DeSantis' 13.5 million recruiting program for police officers lures officers with violent records to Florida. His incentive scheme recruits officers with history of excessive violence or who have been arrested since signing up. This is by Richard Luscombe in TheGuardian.com U.S. News. So why does this sound like DeSantis is setting up his own private army? Or should we call them the Gestapo, GRU, Stasi, or the SS Schutzstaffel? If he shoots for the White House... Will he take them with him? Now, I wrote this article before Ron DeSantis came out yesterday and said he's running for president. Big thing about it is the question remains. All of these loyal, now loyal police officers that he recruited from, you know, other places who were fired or have criminal records or you know what, working in Florida now, are they going to go with him to Washington? So now, talking about police, let's go into this other one. The NAACP, the NAACP, among civil rights groups, 
warning tourists about Florida in the wake of hostile laws. Latino Civil Rights Organization, Gay Rights Advocacy Group, have also issued travel advisories for the state. This came out of CBC Canada, who they also got it from the Associated Press in the U.S. So it's starting. All these groups representing marginalized populations are now giving out travel warnings to the groups they represent, warning them of all the restrictive laws and the possible consequences if they visit. If they maintain these travel advisories, which I imagine they will, the state could lose a substantial amount of tourism money. Is this the vision of a presidential wannabe? A whites-only state and country? Now, good luck getting elected to a higher office on that platform, but it also means that these groups who are nationally renowned are telling people, stay away from Florida. It's dangerous down there for you. That's, 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 pretty, that's pretty blatant. And, in, 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 and there's been a couple more articles here in the week, you know, after I put this in. And here's another article from a red state. And, and this goes to civil rights. ProPublica partner sues Mississippi County for blocking access, access to search warrants. A joint investigation found that many Mississippi courts thwart public scrutiny of search warrants. Experts say that violates longstanding norms of public access and the state's public records law. This came out of ProPublica.org. So Mississippi is getting in line with the other race, red states and their quest towards authoritarianism and the exclusion of African Americans and Latinos. County judges are denying access to what are supposed to be public records for the freedom of the press, which is a civil right. It looks like Mississippi wants to make their own laws and forget about Constitution. Wow. So the question of the day is, why are they doing this? What are the red states trying to hide from the reporters? Kind of makes you wonder to ask. Now we're going to get into environmental and climate change. Over half the world's lakes are drying out, study warns, by Rebecca Falconer. This came out of Axios.com. No surprise, considering global warming, and it goes to show you, it's not all about just the United States. There's lakes drying up all over the world right now due to global warming. But the United States wants to make you think that they're the only ones that are having a problem. And here's another one here. This is the, it's called the impact we have is vast. Scientists look to clean up Antarctica. This waste disposed of in the ocean, abundant microplastics, wildlife exposed to oil, the pristine continent of ice has a trash problem from John Bartlett in Villa Las Estrellas. This came out of the Guardian.com World newspaper here. How environmental groups from Chile are trying to clean up 100 years of trash left over from scientists around the world, some of it which is highly toxic. And they're trying their best to clean up all the trash and toxic waste left behind by research scientists. I mean, you think, research scientists? You think they'd be smart enough to clean up after themselves, but apparently not. So now we're going to go back to the United States. And this story is kind of a sad one in some ways. U.S. is expanding CO2 pipelines. One Poison Town Wants You to Know Its Story by Julius Simon and NPR.org. So as I mentioned last week, the United States wants to bury carbon dioxide underground. And I talked to you about the bad things that can happen from that because we don't have all the science worked out with that. So now we're, now we're subsidizing and, and comp- corporations to run piping to take all that CO2 and pipe it into these underground sites. The problem is the pipes are breaking. And this has been going on for a few years now. 
Here's the thing, though. This CO2 is so dangerous when it cuts loose. It literally killed this town. There, people are still dealing with it, you know, several years after the pipe broke. And, you know, the article goes into detail about what happened to these poor folks in the aftermath. But it's just a sign of the times. They're, we're throwing money at these companies. They're going to take, they're going to take the cheaper way and try to make a profit. And they don't care about public safety. And here's another one about not necessarily public safety, but it's about environmental safety. How solar farms took over the California desert and Oasis has become a dead sea. Residents feel trapped and choked by dust, while exper experts warn environmental damage is solving one problem by creating others by Oliver Wainwright in Desert Center, California. So this came out of the Guardian U.S. News. Another climate change environmental article about the rush to build massive solar farms to cash in on the federal subsidies. It's killing the environment where they're putting them. So you got acres and acres and acres of solar farms going up. Problem is they're killing everything underneath them. So as the story goes, instead of in building up on open stretches of desert, killing all the plants and creatures that live there, why not use all the tops of the buildings around the country to install, install solar panels on? Here's all kinds of real estate you could put this stuff on and not have to kill the environment to do it. And then I'm going to go back across the Atlantic Ocean again. Cocoa planting is destroying protected forests in West Africa, study finds. And this came out of the Guardian Environment section. They are reporting that 90% of the forest in the Ivory Coast, West Africa, and 65% in Ghana, also West Africa, have been destroyed over the West's obsession with chocolate. Why we're obsessed with chocolate, I don't know. Europeans and rich Americans nearly drove beavers extent in North America for hats in the 19th century. Same for the American bison over making room for farmers and railroads. These forests around the equator in both Africa and South America are what's keeping global warming down within manageable levels. But extreme poverty is creating a vacuum that will soon make these forests into vast savannas and leave much of the middle portion of the planet uninhabitable if this keeps going which is, leads to another article that is coming up next. A fifth of the world could live with dangerous heat by 2100, new study warrants. Many people live in a place with a mean annual temperature of 55 to 80 degrees Fahrenheit now. But billions of people could see that figure jump to 84 degrees or higher, research says. This is by Christopher Teague in InsightClimateNews.org. The study shows about how by 2070, the average mean world temps may be as high as 84 degrees for 2 billion people. This will encompass all the areas centered around the equator and between the tropic latitudes. With 2.7 degrees centigrade by 2100, the question will be, where will all of these people migrate to? Because you know they will. And where is the accountability for killers ushering into climate apocalypse? Apocalypse. Today's climate crisis dwarfs the 1940s threat of Nazism, the 9-11 attack, or the massive bank robberies that took place during the Reagan and Bush administration. It threatens all life on Earth by Tom Hartman today in a, Tom, in a Hartman report. His daily take about the re good reasons for nationalizing the fossil fuel industry for a while until the climate gets back under control, which could take decades. Scientific reports on all these major wildfires can be directly attributed to the fossil fuel industry, and that would be the justification. It's not like it hasn't been done before. And now I got come to you here with a human human abuse, if you want to call it, 
This is a human, a human rights story. Four Filipinas sued diplomat employers in Switzerland for slavery. Four Filipino domestic workers sued their diplomat employers in the EU's latest case of exploitation in diplomatic households, which has gone on for decades. This came out of Al Jazeera. Here's a story about modern-day slavery and how they get away with it. If you have money or a diplomatic immunity, you can pretty much get away with anything, including murder, or almost anyway, because there was that Middle Eastern diplomat who got caught murdering one of his Filipino maids a couple of years ago, and it took him a while to catch him, but they finally put him in jail. But the problem is it took a long time to catch him. So my thing is these four women are suing because they didn't get paid and all the other abuses this employer had. But it goes to show you that it's still going on, despite making the news a couple of times here, and makes me wonder how many other are getting away with it still. So that's all the news stories I gathered for you this week. So I'm going to take a little break, and I'll be back in a few minutes. While I'm out, I've got something for you to listen to. Now, at the back end of this, please stay tuned for my op-ed of the week in the second half of the show. I'll be right back. I want to take this break time to bring attention to my website, Crombieha, at https colon forward slash forward slash 527.websitex5.me. I have a blog page where I offer insights and teasers about the articles and stories I write and where I posted them. Here on the website, you can also learn a little more about what Crombieha means for a little bit of Irish culture and more about me in general. I also have links to my Medium and Substack pages, an ad page for my books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. If you care to read my Medium.com articles, I have an option at the end of all the articles and stories to leave a donation to my coffee fund and to sign up for a subscription if you want. No one's obligated to financially support my work because I post everything for free. Medium does ask you to sign up to read the full piece, though, even if it is for free. So just a heads up. If you want to read something and don't want to sign up for anything, give me a shout through the contact page on my website, and I'll reach back out to you to see if we can work something out. Welcome back to the second half of the Crombie Hop podcast for May 25th. I thought long and hard about what my topic was going to be this week, and I want to talk to you about global migrations. From my news feed earlier, you may have noticed that I highlighted a bunch of global warming and climate change articles this week. As we all know by now, there are a lot of people around the world moving to somewhere else. No continent is being spared right now. Most of them are leaving war-torn countries with a smaller segment leaving due to economics or lack thereof. So what's driving these current small wars or the bigger ones in Syria and Ukraine? Global warming to a degree. The people can't grow enough food anymore due to to wars and lack of water. Central Africa is having a big problem with shrinking rainfalls. So are all the other places around the world between the tropics of Cancer and Capricorn. So as the planet heats up more and more every year, the swath of the planet where the sun is most direct will become uninhabitable by the end of the century, according to the Inside Climate News report I mentioned in the first half of this broadcast. Now, where are all these billions of people going to go? Well, they're going to try and migrate to somewhere cooler, of course, somewhere that has food and shelter and a way to make money to feed their families. The planet's running out of habitable places for them all to go anymore because the places they want to go are already full and getting fuller every year. 
Look at Great Britain and Europe right now. There are over 8 billion people in the world and counting. And more than 2 billion people live in these soon-to-be death zones. The United States is also having a tough time in their southwest region as it is becoming more arid every, arid every year due to lack of rain and water shortages that the snowpack can't replenish anymore. Canada's western plain provinces are burning up their arboreal forests this year in a mirror image of their southern neighbors. Once the trees are all burned up, along with all the underbrush, the topsoil will wash away and it will be really hard for these forests to regrow due to lack of water. The migration issue, no, issue in North America will be similar to Central and South America, internal migrations due to uninhabitable regions within the next 50 years. There are already political internal migrations going on in, the nor in North America, and this will add to them. As more trees around the world are chopped down to make room for farms and other human-generated enterprises, the hotter the planet will get, causing more migrations, causing more local conflicts, and a lot of the people will die. So if you think things are bad now, wait a few more years. We can expect more wars, national meltdowns over economic issues, and a huge influx of poor climate migrants knocking at the borders, from the outside and internally, trying to escape the heat, all of which will tax the resources of the richer countries and states or provinces that they try to get into. For examples, look at the stories about Great Britain, Australia, and the United States in today's news, and double or triple that in a few years. What will happen if a country like the United States or Canada loses the ability to financially take care of themselves because all of the migrants clamoring to get in? You're going to have absolute chaos. Governments tend to dissolve into internal factions with warlords or authoritarian regimes, sometimes both when things fail. Haiti and South Africa are very good current examples in the news lately. When basic life-sustaining resources like food, water, and shelter become a scarce commodity, people fight over what's left. This was front and center during the COVID lockdowns of 2020, and that's just a small example of what's coming once the middle part of the planet heats up beyond livability. Now, I've read many apocalyptic novels and fictional series on the subject of the loss of technology and lack of basics to sustain life. They all have one major theme running through the stories. Billions of people die. The survivors do their best with what's left and try to eke out a daily life of foraging for food, clean water to sustain themselves for just another day, all the while fighting off the other humans for the same stuff. Reverting back to hunter-gatherer tribal living until things start to improve within a generation or two, if they're lucky. We've all seen some movies or books about this at some point in the past few years, or not, depending on your age. These types of movies and books aren't all that popular, but like they used to be anymore. Now, my favorite book series was called The Change by S.M. Sterling. Very good series on his time, and if you, know, if you really want to read that many books, it's pretty good. It goes through about three generations of folks and how they survived. There have also been plenty of movies within the last 20 years or so on the subject. Kevin Costner starred in a couple of them. We all know who Kevin Costner is. Waterworld and The Postman were his two movies in this, you know, along these lines. Now, there was a TV series called The 100. I believe they started out on a CW channel, but then I watched it on Netflix. Well, if I watched it on Netflix, that means it's available to everyone in the world. Or at least anywhere that Netflix is, anyway. I wrote a couple of articles last year about what to do when the world goes dark. 
One was about how to take care of yourself once society breaks down and you lose the basics like electricity and running water. So are you prepared to defend your now dark home against human predators? Because mark my words, they will come for you. When they run out and they see that you have some, they're going to be coming after yours. That's the other side of the coin when society collapses. Humans want to eat and drink and they will take the easiest way possible. And the easiest way is to take it for somebody else by force if necessary. Now there's always been people like this since the dawn of time. But now there's going to be a lot more of them. In today's world, we call them gangs and cartels. In the future of global warming and migration, they're going to have different names. Kingdoms. Lolo ones run by warlords, just like the old Mel Gibson Mad Max movies from Australia. Now, some of, your young, some of you really young folks may not remember those, but ask your parents. I've traveled extensively around the world to war-torn countries in my younger military days, and they don't look anything like the movies. If you can remember any of the news stories from reporters who were reporting from places like Afghanistan and Iraq in the last 20 years, you have an idea what to expect. Even the richest countries that I mentioned previously, if things break down badly, will start to look like that. Imagine Europe after World War II. Most of us older folks, and maybe some young folks, have seen pictures of those times at varying differences. Maybe they had to do, uh, you know, students maybe had to do something in school. So magnifying that, all, all of that around the world. So we're seeing some of that in Yemen, Syria, Palestine, South America, Africa, Central Africa, and South Africa for sure right now, and so on. The Caribbean. We, the humans on this planet, have the ability to slow this down if we can find a political will. It'll take a massive worldwide effort, something that's lacking right now. We've, but we've already passed the point of no return. So all we can do is buckle up and head into the new future. Until humans around the world come together to address the issue in a positive manner, which may not happen given human nature, the nations of the world will continue to isolate themselves from the onslaught of humanity, trying to escape their burning world. There will be more wars and pandemics to decimate huge swaths, swaths of the population until something changes. Humans will either learn to adapt to their new world or kill each other off until there are not enough people left to worry about overcrowding and lack of resources anymore. We likely, will, we'll, we likely only have about 75 more years to see how that works out. Now, does anyone want to make any predictions about the future of humanity by 2100? That's all I have for you this week. I hope I've enlightened you a little bit with my choices of stories and thoughts. I will close out this show with a challenge. Go find one of those old movies I mentioned, or even some of the books, and I look at and look at the background of the world these protagonists are living in, and imagine how you would survive in a world like that. I would like to thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll return again for another episode of the Crombie Podcast. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more the merrier. Each podcast will be free and can be found on many different platforms now. Search for the Crombie Podcast or under my name, T-O-D-O-M-H-N-A-I-L-L in your favorite app. My goal is for this to feel like a village meeting place atmosphere under the spreading oak tree during our time together with an Irish flair. As a Sean Kay, I want to travel to your digital village to bring you the back page news from the outside world and maybe a story too that might bring you a smile and make you think a little bit after we part for the day. 
As I close out this episode, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day until we meet again. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more. Nothing but happiness come through your door. Slango foil, which means goodbye for now in Irish. <laughs>